welcome to Listen In. My name is Stephanie Gates Sloan, and I want to invite you to listen in on conversations I have with my friends as we discuss engaging college students with the gospel. Latoria, I am just so thankful for you and the opportunity that I have to call you friend. We've had the chance to serve together for years. We don't get to see each other very often or even really talk, but it's just fun to get to reconnect in the opportunities that we do. And one of the things that I have loved the most about you is just getting to see your heart, getting to see the way that you use your gifting and getting to see how you put your self into position to where you're willing to just invest wherever God calls you. I've seen you serve um, as I watch you from afar and sometimes from backstage, I get to watch you serve (laughs) college students, uh, people from all generations and demographics. I see you do youth conferences. I see you travel Mm -hmm. around the world. I see you uh, do all (laughs) kinds of things. And to me, that's really encouraging because I get to watch you say, okay, Lord, wherever it is that you lead, I want to go. And I see you use your gifting, which is a unique gift, um, ultimately to say, okay, this is how God has made me. Now, what does this look like to be a faithful steward of this gift? And so I, of course, have wanted to talk with you about this for a long time. I'm so glad we finally had the opportunity to sit down and do this. And so before we jump into the main conversation, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and to share a little bit about your story, kind of how you got to where you are. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to jump in and talk specifically about gifting and how the local church can help students not only discover their gifts, but serve Mm -hmm. using those gifts. So before we have that conversation, friend, I just want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Latoria. I was born and raised. Uh, right here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and um, been a lover of of music all my life, specifically hip hop. Um, but I, um, I guess I'll start from the beginning. I grew up in a house of five kids, <clears throat> um, and I was the oldest. My mom and my aunt were the primary people who raised me, and um, my focal point for a really long time was basketball. I, I took a uh, interest in it very early. Uh, you know, I grew up, I was kind of a tomboy, you know, my, my siblings and stuff, they were playing with dolls and I was outside playing with the boys and that kind of thing. So I'd always had an interest in uh, basketball. And so my mom and my aunt, they invested in it. And so I went to the camps and played all of the little leagues and AAU and all that stuff. And by the time I got to high school, um, we were really successful. As a matter of fact, like we still currently hold, hold titles, you know, um, and records for consecutive champion uh, state championships wow. won and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so <clears throat> that was kind of the trajectory of my life. And I thought, man, I am a ball player first, everything else second, you know, and was, was headed to play college ball. And my goal was to get to the WNBA. And yeah. like, I was that serious about it. Um, and lo and behold, did I know that, that God had other plans. You know, long story short, um, I ended up losing the scholarship that I had and uh, kind of relocated back to the local college. UTA was where I was at because that's the city that I lived in. And um, I still had to get my degree. So I ended up working and really just kind of went into a funk, a depression, because I found my identity in being a ball player, you know. Um, and when that was taken away from me, I didn't know who I was. I I legit had a, an identity crisis. And um, 
this man, God in his sovereignty, he allowed me one day, a friend of mine who was pursuing singing invited me to the studio with her. And I was like, I don't have anything else to do. Um, so I went and I just, I was in a depression. I was in a funk. Matter of fact, I had a ball cap on just like I do now. And I was just kind of in the corner, you know, with my head down. And the producer that she was working with, he stopped the session. And out of nowhere, he turned around and asked me, like, um, hey, do you rap? And I was so shook by that because in my personal time, I would I would write, you know, and it was just kind of my therapy. But I never said anything to anybody about that. Um. And I didn't know what to do with it. So I just was kind of like, oh, no, just a knee-jerk reaction. But I couldn't shake the question. And so a couple of weeks went by. I still couldn't shake the question. And so I, I <clears throat> followed back up with him. And I was like, hey, you asked me a, a really weird question, and I can't shake it. I think that may mean that I'm supposed to try it. So ended up, what ended up happening is this producer took me under his wing, and he started showing me all the ropes of what it meant to write songs, how to structure them, how to record um, then we started going to open mics and he would teach me about performance and stage presence and all of those things. And so simultaneously, he was also discipling me. And so that, that situation ended up being, um, me, me being introduced to the world of actually being an artist and having a structure and also being discipled really for the first time in my life. I mean, growing up, you know, my parents consider themselves to be Christians and we went to church frequently, but, you know, Jesus was not Lord of my life. Basketball was. Jesus was not the center of my life. Basketball was. Like everything, you know, um, was centered around that. So so once I started getting disciples, I rededicated my life to the Lord. I got plugged into a young adult ministry, uh, Potter's House. At that time, it was Tim Roth who was over it and got baptized. And so that was kind of like my reset button, if you will. And um, from there, it was, I was just kind of off and running. And every year I would um, go to a conference to try to get connected with people to just kind of teach me more about the industry, teach me more about what it meant to do um, this thing called hip hop in a, in a world that is not used to really accepting it. You know, we're in 2020 and people still don't really, they still are like, ah, that's a thing, you know. Um, and so I'm just trying to give you a high level. That That's kind of like the timeline of my life and how I started off really focused on and really aiming towards becoming a professional basketball player. And the Lord just, he took that idol, if you will, and he tore it down. And, um, you know, as I started to pursue um, music, and even even now, frequently, I will I will just talk to the Lord and say, Hey, I don't ever want anything in my life to be my center ever again. So if 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 you tell me to put the mic down and go do something else, it'll sting a little bit because I've invested time, energy, effort, and years. But the answer is yes, yeah. you know, because I think the biggest mistake that I made was making my everything about playing ball and not making my everything about <clears throat> about serving God. And I think what makes my journey with music so enjoyable is it's about serving God, yeah. you know? Um, so hopefully that, that kind of answers your question and gives you a little bit of a timeline. Um, Absolutely. In, in yeah. fact, there's a few things that I want to uh, kind of 
dive back into that I think would be really, really helpful. One of the things that really I loved about hearing your story was you talked about the people who, who saw you, recognized the things that you loved or the things that you were gifted in and were willing to do what they needed to do so you had those opportunities you talked about your mom Mm -hmm. and your aunt you talked about this producer and so i think about how often we miss out on those opportunities uh with Mm. with youth with even college students to really get to know them in such a way that we're encouraging them to really pursue those things that they love to do. We talk, when I talk to students, yeah. I talk about, you know, we have been wired and given gifts and the things that we love. It's not by accident. Like God has built right. those within us. And what we get to do as leaders is to start to figure out like, okay, each person's different. How has God right. wired them and created them? And how do I help them discover that and then use that within the context of the local church or their job in those different perspectives. And so how much mm-hmm. has it meant to you uh, to have your mom and your aunt and this producer and these other people that you've surrounded yourself? <clears throat> Cause not only did you have these people invest in you, you did something else, mm-hmm. which is really, really important. You looked for people who were already doing what you wanted to do and you positioned mm-hmm. yourself around them just mm-hmm. so you can learn. And so you put yourself in this, this, a lower st- I guess really these is you called yourself it was being discipled and I think a lot of times Mm -hmm. that's a word that people don't fully know what the definition is um and so this idea of I want to come and learn from someone who's just walked a little further than I have um absolutely and so as you think through about all these people that have invested in you Mm -hmm. what how like God used that to change your life right absolutely yeah and so, absolutely. And I bet that they believed in you more than you believed in yourself. For sure. I mean, even if you just think about, I know that it was divine intervention mm-hmm. for that producer to turn around and ask me that question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh huh. I had a similar absolutely. story happen uh, when I was trying to figure out where I was going to go to college. I thought I was going to go play sports uh-huh. in college, got hurt. And this lady at my church yeah. came up to me and she said, Stephanie, I had a dream that you're supposed to go to Belmont University. And I was like, listen, we're Baptist. We don't do dreams. I don't know what you're saying. But I couldn't shake it. And so I went home, got on AOL, dial-up internet, because that's what we had. I'm old. And started searching. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at Belmont. And I start to talk to my parents. And my dad's like, well, the only weekend I can go is this weekend. So I skipped my senior prom, flew to Nashville, And the second we stepped on that campus, it was like, this is where you're supposed to be all because of a dream. And it's kind of that same thing of like God, that divine intervention, the, the, his sovereignty of saying like, okay, I'm about to do something. that's going to pivot everything that you knew. And absolutely. You also talked about your identity was in basketball. I work Mm -hmm. with the UNT women's basketball team. And that's what I see when a player gets hurt, when they're done, when their eligibility is done, or maybe something mm-hmm. else has happened and they're having to leave the team or they're graduating. Mm-hmm. They don't know what to do. And a lot of times you see them go through this depression. You see them, which is what your yeah. story was. You just yeah. see them really wrestle. If you had the chance to talk to Latoria, who just walked away from basketball, what would you say? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. It would, the first thing that I would say is, Start doing the work to understand what it means 
to have your identity in Christ. Because that one thing is going to set you free and probably help you avoid all the hell that I went through. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad because I was depressed. I didn't know who I was. And so I'm looking for something to give me fulfillment and to tell me who I am. Like all, all of the mess that I went through, it was because I did not have a sense of my identity being in Christ. Like if I could just say that one thing, yeah, I, that's what I would say yeah. is, is take the time to, in, to invest effort in understanding really what that means. Yeah. If you place your identity in your self-worth, and think your satisfaction is going to come from something that can be taken away in an instant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're setting yourself mm-hmm. up for a lot of disappointment and hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, 100%. Yeah, completely. I walked through some similar things as well. When Before I realized I was going to be at Belmont and I'd been hurt, I couldn't finish the softball season. Like, I just remember being like, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> and just getting really yeah. angry. And. Mm-hmm. Not recognizing that that was something that was a divine intervention because I was too stubborn to actually listen. (laughs) Uh, Took two broken ankles and uh, a lot of other, in a dream for him to get my attention. And so I try not to live as stubbornly as I used to. Um, And so you are given some amazing gifts. First, to be able to be a collegiate athlete. Already talks yeah. about just like how God made you because that's not easy. I watch it every day and I was an athlete mm-hmm. growing up and there's no way I could live in that world. I couldn't handle <laughs> it. And then you, you've you been able to shift into something else that most people can't do as well. And so I look at mm. you and I think about like God has gifted you in just some amazing and unique ways. Uh, and so I just want to affirm those things in you. Uh, because Thank I think it, it speaks not only to how he trusts you but and how he wants to use mm. you, but I think it also speaks to the discipline and your willingness to really pursue obedience uh, because both of those worlds, having been in the basketball world and even in the music industry, those are not easy worlds mm-hmm. to live in. And it takes, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of just sacrifice to pursue both. And, and so I look at what God has done in you and through you. And that's an encouragement to me. And I think it, it just shows uh, that he had some great plans for you uh, as he uh, was knitting you together uh, to give you such yeah. unique uh, gifts that most people don't have. And so Amen. I want to pivot into this, uh, this gifting conversation. When mm. I sit down and talk to college students, which is most days, and I talk yeah. to them about <laughs> what do you want to do with your life? What are the things that you love? They can't answer a lot of those questions. And mm-hmm. so I've been wrestling with, like, what are ways that we can help students discover their gifting? And so when I say that mm-hmm. question, what comes to mind? What do you think are some ways that we can help students really start to untangle it, who it is that God made them to be? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I would say from, from the perspective of um, a church or a ministry that creating spaces where community happens Mm. is a really good um, approach because I've learned over the years that a lot community in every season of my life is what helped me to understand what I was good at, what my gifts were. Um, And so I would say creating, creating spaces where there are 
talks being given, where where there are opportunities to um, volunteer and serve in different uh, aspects with the local church and with local ministries, or even partnering with other local organizations to kind of recruit people who are interested in figuring out why, why am I here? What am I here for? What are my gifts? To just create environments where they can start to cultivate those things and do life with people that will, you know, more than likely tell tell them, hey, you're really good at this. Or, hey, can you come do this? Because I, I feel like that's something that you would be good at. That is, in a lot of, for my for my personal journey, that is over time how I've learned and developed a sense of self-awareness for what my gifts are, just natural gifts and spiritual gifts. Um, it's just paying attention. Who's around you? What are you surrounding yourself with? Are those people pulling things out of you, even in <clears throat> even in negative environments where you're hanging around people who aren't influencing you to do the right thing, that's still a space where you can find out what's in you, what God has put in you, what your what your natural ability is, and maybe even some of your spiritual abilities, mm. just depending on on the space, you know. So I would just say for our ministry, cultivate environments where where community is happening, and that can be as organic as as you make it. Exactly. I, I have found that uh, living life with other people reveals a lot of things about yourself you didn't know existed. And especially when those people are intentional to get to know you and to walk alongside yeah. you. And so that's yeah. exactly what your story was, was what my story was. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times it's hard for college students to step into those opportunities that have been built in the local church. So you may see like different Sunday school classes or home groups that yeah. really are kind of built in more for other demographics for the church. Mm. And so as a student, it can feel overwhelming to step into those spaces. Or when you do, there's this attitude of, well, but you're young, you might not know. And there's not an opportunity of recognizing like the spirit is alive and working in them too. Uh, and so Absolutely. how can we partner together to help one, uh, one another really grow, which is what the whole purpose of community really is. And mm -hmm. so I, I just love the intentionality that your community had. And I think mm -hmm. about how many lives of college students could be changed if given those same opportunities of just having someone Absolutely. who, who says, okay, I may be busy, but I'm still going to position myself and realign my life in such a way that I can invite you in. It's not about adding yeah. one more thing to your calendar. It's literally about come live life with me. I need to go to the grocery right. store. Come with me. Hey, I'm going to cook dinner. Come with me. Um, and I think if we can start to grasp, there's two different kinds of discipleship. There's formal and mm. informal. A lot of times formal mm. discipleship feels so overwhelming of like, well, I'm not equipped. I didn't go to seminary. I'm not a, a church staff person. I don't know how to walk with someone to talk through theology or spiritual disciplines. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah, you probably could. Like we can right. equip you and give you material that's going to help you both learn. But this idea of informal discipleship which is exactly mm -hmm. what was happening in your life. All that is Absolutely. is relationship, getting to know one mm -hmm. another, inviting someone in and just saying, okay, I'm going to go out of my way to say you get to be where I'm at. And mm -hmm. by doing that, God used people to drastically change your life. And Absolutely. I believe that if we had more Christians say that I want to 
position myself so that I can informally invite a college student into my life, many of them mm-hmm. maybe never saw a Christian marriage. They never saw mm-hmm. uh, what it looks like to be in a Christian home. They don't know how to cook. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to mm-hmm. do their laundry. Maybe they've never one of the, I call myself the other mother because I often yeah. help them with their leases. <laughs> I help them open a checking account. I help them figure wow. out utilities. Like they've never had people do that for them and their parents mm-hmm. just because of life circumstances are not available. Sure. And absolutely. So that's an opportunity for the church to step in, Christian or non-Christian students. Mm-hmm. And think about the even that impact with that non-Christian. If you're living your life with them in that way, Mm-hmm. Think about how God could use that for just gospel purposes. And so Absolutely. I love that your life is a product of informal discipleship. And there Praise was, God, there was formal, I'm sure, mixed in with that. But yeah. if, if the everyday church person could hear that mm-hmm. God could use them just like God used those people in your life, think about mm-hmm. the kingdom work that is missing that could be happening today by just us saying, I want to see you in a way that means I really see you and I really get to know. Absolutely. So that's the point. That's the point of all of us as being representatives of Christ in the earth. Mm -hmm. It's in the everyday life that we're supposed to let our light shine and and let people see, you know, what our life looks like because Mm -hmm. of who Jesus is. It's not about a platform and a microphone and degrees. Exactly. (laughs) It's just about you making a choice to let the word of God lean lean heavily on you and you conform to his image that can look a million different ways exactly there are some like to your point for me yeah yeah yeah. go ahead then i'll fill it i was just gonna say like what you were saying a minute ago about like um you know some students may not know what a christian marriage or even a marriage looks like that's definitely part of my story like i was telling you i was raised by my mom and my aunt and so for this producer like not only was he teaching me the ropes about music and discipling me, but he would also he would also say like, "Hey, if if your if your man is not willing to treat you like this, he ain't the one." Yeah. And he 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 showed me just by his actions what a godly husband is supposed yeah. to look like. Mm-hmm. But I had no framework for that. Yeah. That was not anything that I saw growing up, and so it was just like all of these different indirect ways that he's teaching me about life and what it is to be an adult and all of those things came out of just what you're saying, just the yeah. willingness to invite somebody in, Yeah, you know, perfect and imperfect. Yeah. You know, and it's in those imperfect moments when we get to display the gospel even more, when they see us apologize, when they see us say, Hey, mm-hmm. I messed that up. I screwed that up and mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. Don't do it the way I just did, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. I've talked with, businessmen, accountants, whatever it may be. And I'll say, I have a student who wants to pursue accounting. Can he just come hang out with you? And when I say it that way, rather than saying, hey, will you disciple the student? It's amazing (laughs) how a relationship can actually happen. Um, And so it's funny. I stopped using the word disciple. I started using mentor. And I realized Mm. that that felt a lot less scary and a lot less like I have to step into this formal structure and so now I just walk up, I can walk up to a church person and just say, listen, I know you're successful in your field. I have a student that uh-huh. would love to pursue that. Can we just set uh-huh. it up to where once a month you sit down and he'll buy your coffee? Because um, yeah. that's my requirement. Yeah. I say, if you're going to hang out yeah. with someone, you buy their coffee so that they know you value their it. time. And I love it. From there, 
you we're getting to see this informal discipleship start to happen. And later on, mm-hmm. I get to sit and talk with that person about, you didn't even know this, but just by hanging out, like, here's what this student is telling me they saw from you. And yeah. wow, that to me is just one of the, the fun ways that I get to help people put the pieces together of what does it look like mm-hmm. to live out the gospel and its implications within our life. Um, that's so good. And so that's one of the reasons I love what I get to do. I get to connect those pieces and be the bridge from the college campus to the local church a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so you brought up how important community is in determining our gifts. And so, Mm -hmm. especially when that community is within the local church, how do you think the local church, as they're helping those students start to figure out through community, what they're good at and how God has made them, how can the students Mm -hmm. and help them to, to serve using those gifts? Ask the question one more time. So as students are discovering how they're gifted within their church community, how does the church Uh then provide space for those students to then really practice and start to use those gifts? Does anything come to mind for you? I bet you're thinking, how can I rap in the local church? Yeah, sure. So um, here's here's, here's my thought on that. I think the initiative sometimes has to start with, the student or the person who who realizes that they have a gift and and they want to use it. Um, I'm going to take a different route and say mm-hmm. if if you start with the student and dealing with them, it would take it would take self awareness, but it would also take boldness yeah. because let's just be honest. A lot of times when you're dealing with church leadership and church staff, a lot of times there's tradition Mm -hmm. and there is, this is the way we're used to doing things. Um, I would love to deal with that in a different part of of our discussion. (laughs) Um, But as far as as the young person, I think, I feel like there's as as long as I've been alive and been able to kind of step outside and look, there's always been a disconnect with quote unquote, the young people, you know what I mean? (laughs) And, and I think that, what I've found to be successful is doing the work to be self-aware. So I know who I am. I know who God has told me to be because I've, I've explored and I've failed and I've succeeded and I've seen the fruit of my efforts. And, and I believe that for me, God has called me to walk in a boldness and, and to, to wrap that boldness in a humility Mm. to kind of um, present options or present um, innovative ways to do things. Yeah. Does that make sense? And Absolutely. so I think that if you as the student, because you have eyes to see things that the older folks can't see, you are plugged into a reality that they are not plugged into. If you can take those realities and combine them with the word of God and what the word of God calls us to do and be in the earth and present that involvement to your leadership, they may hear you. They may not. But at the end of the day, at least you, you gave it a shot. You know, we live in a world of, of uh, you know, social media and the Internet. Like I would say, kind of like what you're doing with this podcast, create something, create something, you know, create some type of content so that you can present those things to to leadership. So I'll switch it and go the other way for leadership. One of the things that I found quick story, for example, mm-hmm. When I was plugged into the Potter's House and kind of early on still going, there was a, I would volunteer in the youth department, you know, 
and um, the director of the youth department, she got it. She was she was an older lady, but she understood like you have to be able to speak the language of the demographic that you're engaging. And so she and I met, and the result of that was me starting the first hip hop ministry at, at the Potter's House. And what we would do was take kids who found an interesting hip in hip hop and teach them, you know, based a lot of what my producer had taught me, but from the from a biblical worldview. And we would go to local events and they would exercise their gifts and or they would dance or if they wrote something, they would perform it. And so you're teaching all kinds of you're creating an environment where those kids have um, a biblical center, but they are exercising being in the world, but not of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is that that we're plugged into and connected to the local church. And so I think on one side, you have to have a boldness being the person that may want to use their gift in a way that is not traditional. But on the other side, it's really important for leadership to be humble Mm -hmm. and to be willing to do a new thing. Yeah. Oftentimes God is doing a new thing. He's not always going to do one thing the same way for the, for the duration of humanity. Sometimes he's going to switch it up. And if, if you can listen and hear that at the root, the same sentiment, the same um, truths that are found in the scripture is there, then I would challenge any person in leadership to consider it. Because what worked for you when you were that demographic is not going to work for them. They're living in a completely different world and honestly facing completely different challenges than you were when you were that age. You know, you said some great things that I want to kind of zoom in on. I like the phrase bold humility. Um, What I often do see is when a student is like, I think I I have the gift of teaching. So you should let me do this. And I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. you yet. (laughs) So I don't even know if you're a Christian yet. So I'm not going to let you get up and teach on a Thursday night in front of a hundred and something students. But what can I do to encourage okay well here's what we're gonna do you're gonna come and we're gonna start I I prep for my lessons on these days so you're gonna come be a part of the prep and so then we're talking through scripture we're talking through I'm getting to learn more about this person I'm getting to see the way that they frame the gospel and I'll say okay we're gonna do this you're gonna come in with an example that you think will be helpful as I teach this and so then Mm -hmm. they come in with that example and so then it gives me a little bit more of like how are they connecting the dots and so how do they think about how do I then give some application to someone who may be hearing this passage. And then, so as we start to do that, and then I think, okay, I've got some training things at the BSM that we do. So let's prepare for one of those. I'm going to lead this three fourths of it. You're going to lead this fourth. And then we slowly start to get to the point where I can look at them and say, guess what? We're going to prep, but you're doing the whole thing. And then it Mm -hmm. gets to the point where it's you prep, you come in, you teach me, then you get to do, Mm -hmm. and then it gets to the point where I trust you. You just go. And so when we get to that opportunity, um, they get super overwhelmed because they're like, oh, my goodness, Mm -hmm. like I'm in charge. But they've (laughs) been taught how to do it. They know what it looks like to wrestle with scripture. We've given them a safe Mm. place to fail. Uh, So they Mm -hmm. come in with me and they recognize like, I'm like, okay, I love what you thought, but that doesn't really fit or that's not quite truth. But they had sure. the opportunity to have me do that. And so even my staff, um, mm-hmm. we have interns that come and work with us. And a lot of times, depending on the intern, if I have them for a full year, 
I don't make them mm-hmm. teach in front of like the big group until their second semester, unless they love to teach. But even yeah. with them, I've hired them. I know them. I believe that they have the skill set to do it. But before they even teach for that first time, they're submitting an mm-hmm. outline to us. They're teaching it mm-hmm. to us. They're recording themselves mm-hmm. and watching it because I want to mm-hmm. make sure that this is an opportunity for them to, to learn what does it look like to wrestle with the scripture? What does it look like to present it? Yeah. What do I look like when I do it? <laughs> and uh, which is the worst part of the whole thing. And it's the worst part. Yep. I know. <laughs> but it's so helpful because it gives them that mm-hmm. opportunity to see, oh, I didn't know I say um every third word or whatever that mm-hmm. might be. And so we're giving them uh, the opportunity to really pursue excellence uh, alongside yes. that obedience. And I think that Absolutely. that's important. And the neatest thing for me is when we've walked with a student, they graduate, and then they get to go step in and they're automatically serving and plugged in into their local church. And my mm-hmm. goal is, is that literally like, I kind of look at it as like, we're the minor league. We play, we, we call it like T-ball. We put the ball up on the tee and we just let them keep hitting. So that when they go, wherever it is the Lord calls them, they're ready yeah. to step into the major leagues mm-hmm. because they've already been playing. And so, that's so cool. Yeah, that's, that's the so cool. hope. Um, yeah. And so I think that is a perk of being a part of a local church and being a part of a, a ministry like BSM or FCA. You kind of get yeah. some more opportunity to step into some of those spaces. And... Mm-hmm. Um, from there, now the pastor gets to come to me and say stuff I hear they're teaching. I'm like, well, guess what? I have it recorded. Here, go listen to this. And yeah. there I get to be the one that gets to speak for them and to say, I trust uh-huh. them to lead this. You can trust them too. And so now yeah. it's like they get a bigger open door into serving in their local uh-huh. church. That's and so, so cool. And so that's that's the hope of what we get to do uh-huh. through community, through people investing in them and through recognizing their gifts. And you know what? There have been times when I sit down with someone and they think I should be able to do this, but they hate the studying part. Mm. You don't get to teach if you're not willing to put in the work here. And so then we start to talk about, well, then, okay, what is this? What else could you possibly do? And so mm-hmm. then we start trying some, we have different ministry teams. And so this might not be your gifting. And then it, yeah. a lot of it is even that heart aspect of like, why do you want to be in front of people? The same thing with people who want to lead worship. I'm very, very particular mm-hmm. about the people I put on a stage. And so yeah. before you get to do that, there's like six steps we got to go through because mm-hmm. they're in a lot of ways more recognizable than I am. And I'm the leader mm-hmm. of this ministry. And mm-hmm. I have to answer to the Lord for the people I put before these students. And so yeah. I'm, I wrestle with um, that accountability, but also mm-hmm. with how do I let these students really serve? And so that's sure. what it looks like for us uh, is mm-hmm. we invest and disciple and give them the opportunity then to go and run. And yeah, um, I think that that's important. And for the church to build in some structures to where they can do the same, because if you're not intentionally building it in, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're too busy. That's so true. And mm-hmm. so creating a leadership pipeline or creating some form of a structure where mm-hmm. people have that opportunity to be prepared and trained and then serve mm-hmm. alongside before you actually let them serve. That's how Jesus did ministry. I think we should just absolutely look and follow along. Um, yeah. I mean, so- I think every church should have some, some sort of community engagement that they're doing. So that's something that you're already doing. Why not be intentional to 
invite those who are young or more mature that are still trying to figure out what is this whole gifting thing and spiritual gifts like where do I go to exercise or explore some of that? If you already have volunteer community type work that you're doing built into your annual calendar, why not also make that the place where some of those things are being, you know, cultivated? Absolutely. And I think we have just such a unique opportunity to do those things with college students. Their schedule looks a little different. They have a little bit more flexible time. And so and they are hungry for people to say, come hang yeah. out with me. Uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. only just for that in- intentional attention, because they don't get that. Um, mm-hmm. But just to have someone say that I'm, I'm going to build in this space because I see you and you're important. Uh, that really stands out. And so I think as the church would start to figure out how do we do more things like that? I think it's going to lead the, to open doors for evangelism. Uh, which is really one of the key things of engaging this demographic. There's a reason they're not mm-hmm. in our local churches. And yeah. part of it is because there's not a, a, a place for them. The other part is because mm-hmm. they don't know Jesus or they think they yeah. do and the church is not needed. And so sure. if I think right now, even this pandemic that we're walking through with the coronavirus, I think even now as a ministry leader, it's forcing me to think, okay, why do I have more students who are watching this video than we have that come to that training every Monday. So what do we do? So mm-hmm. I'm not going to change the fact that we do that training. We're not going to live stream it at that time, but we're going to record it and show it later. And you yeah. know, even starting to think through what does this look like now? Um, and how do we respond? Because I was on a, a conference call yesterday with some local pastors and all of them said, our numbers have increased as we've been doing things online. And they're like, oh, we mm-hmm. don't know what to do with that. And they want to get mm-hmm. back into where people are allowed back into the church and they're able to do ministry face to face. But I think mm-hmm. if we forget what we're learning right now and what we're seeing, then we've literally just dismissed an opportunity that the Lord has given us. And mm-hmm. to me, I think it's the same thing is that oftentimes young people, really college students and singles from 18 to 35 are often dismissed by the local mm-hmm. church. There's not a place for mm-hmm. them. You even think about uh, sermon series. You think about like if I visit a lot of churches. And so as I sit mm-hmm. down and I look at like the program they give me when I walk in and I see mm-hmm. nothing for mm-hmm. a single um, mm-hmm. or a college student, because I'm looking for both. I mean, I'm 39 yeah. and I'm still single. I'm getting married in two days, but sure. I've lived singleness a long time. So yeah. I still am always going to come at it from that perspective and so if mm-hmm. a church has not, doesn't have a place for them, they're not going to stay. If they haven't thought mm-hmm. through, what does this look like for you to get connected here? Um, and then mm-hmm. even those opportunities, I think, to, to really get out and to engage them where they actually are. That's where that idea of proximity is so important. And so that kind of pivots us into my last question. I ask everybody this. is yeah. Why do you think the local church should prioritize college ministry? I think that the local church should prioritize college ministry because um, college is that space before you are catapulted into the real world, quote unquote. Um, And I think that the reality is college, that college age at, at 21, you are legally an adult, but depending on your upbringing and your home life and all of those things, you're not, you're not really mature. Yeah. Like to be frank, I was an idiot at 21. I was an idiot. 
and and it's okay. You know, I, for me, I had a pastor tell me, hey, you're dumb and you need a mentor because you're going to make dumb choices and you need somebody that that's already made those same dumb choices to say, hey, don't do that because this is what happens when you do that. So I think I think that churches could potentially play a huge role at cultivating maturity. Yeah. Um, because there is the reality of going to school, you know, majoring in something and establishing a career, all of those things are great, but but it's in dealing with people and engaging with people and exercising the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, self-control, yeah. kindness, patience. Those are the things that mature you mm-hmm. as an individual. Um, and so I don't think that, are, that there is a coincidence that we are called to exercise those things because that's going to make us the type of person that we're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think that, that in that age demographic where you are being trained up in whatever your profession is going to be, it would be amazing if the local church was also cultivating the type of person that you're going to be. Yeah. I think you that's know? really, really uh, helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's it's clutch, man. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a major opportunity um, to by that by the time that that student gets to where they're ready to graduate, they're fully developed. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. I mean, just, I'm, I'm I'm prepared to be an accountant, but right. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation that does accounting, and. I now am ready to step in and recognize like God has placed me in this firm for a reason. And I now get to be that ambassador, the representative of the gospel here. And they have the same gospel calling that I have as a minister on a campus. And then they've been invested in, in such a way that they're mature. They're responsible. They understand that I'm going to work as if I'm working for the Lord because they are. And they understand like, I may be young, but I can be the best worker here because that Absolutely. gives me the opportunity to tell other people about Jesus. Absolutely. And that's what sets us apart. Exactly. exactly. That reality, that, that self-awareness, that knowing of who, who and who's, yes. as my mom used to say, yeah. you are. Yeah. That identity that's wrapped up in integrity. And absolutely, when you mess up, you go and you apologize and you make it right. Because a lot of people you work with are not going to do that. And if us Christians could live our lives in such a way that we're investing in people so that they then know how to invest in someone else, they know the gospel in such a way because we've helped them learn it, that then they feel equipped to go and share it. And they also know that they've been given a unique opportunity by God, specifically thinking Uh like, as I created you, this is what I gave you. Just like with you, you had the opportunity to be a basketball player to now do mm-hmm. hip hop to do. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what God does with you next. Even <laughs> of like, as you're stepping onto these, I know these campuses and you're talking about wanting to really engage with uh, female coaches. You know, I, I mm-hmm. live with, I say a toe in that world, not even a full foot because of the mm. time I spend with um, our basketball team. And we have a female right. head coach. And, like, I watch the stress that she lives in every day. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine my life and my career being dictated by the performance of someone else. And just even that process that you have to walk through and what that looks like um, to invest in her and to love her well is one of the opportunities that I get. But I'm one of the few people that 
gets the same kind of opportunity yeah. uh, to do those things. And so even like, as you shared with me before that you're getting to step into some of those spaces as well, like that is mm-hmm. exciting to me because you have the background, you know, more about their world than I even do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see how God's going to use you through those relationships. And so this might be just one more thing that you're doing on the side, but I think that God's going to use it uh, just in some real ways in a really difficult and often dark uh, part of the world that identity is tangled up in performance, other people's performance. Mm -hmm. They never know, is Mm -hmm. my job going to be okay? Um, Mm -hmm. And so just to have that opportunity to be a gospel presence and a encourager my thing that I always tell the new players when they come in is like listen I'm the person that's a part of the team that doesn't care how you play the way you play does not impact my relationship with you and so that doesn't matter I'm still gonna high five and hug you whether you had the best game or the worst game or you didn't even get to play that doesn't change us um Mm -hmm. I, I support you I cheer for you I'll cry with you too and for them yeah, to get to yeah. see that I'm just as much of a part of the team as everybody else, but I'm the mm-hmm. one person that gets to just really see them. And the opportunities that I've had mm-hmm. when they come and ask me, why do you love me this way? Or mm. what about this? Or what about this? Or I get to walk through a tragedy. You know, they had someone pass mm-hmm. away in their family or whatever that might be. And so I can't wait to get to hear those stories from you because um, <laughs> it's a it's a part of the world that you know, you know how much it needs yeah. the gospel. And now God mm-hmm. is pivoting you in a way that you get to step into that world um, again. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. there's uh, a reality as to why it's again. And so I think sure. uh, that's exciting too, but I appreciate just your time. I know we've been trying to get this scheduled for a, I don't know, over a year. Over a year, yeah. yeah. Uh, just with <laughs> our schedules, that's just how it goes for us. But yeah. um, as always, um, it's great to count you as a friend, as a sister in the Lord. Likewise. Uh, and we may only talk once or twice a year, but I'm praying for you often. I follow you on uh, social media, and I get to celebrate <laughs> uh, from afar what I see the Lord do in you. And I just want you to know that uh, I'm one of your biggest cheerleaders, whether you know it or not. Um, And so I am excited and can't wait to get to be one more spectator that gets to be encouraged in the Lord by getting to watch him move and work through your gifting and your obedience. And so uh, I can't wait for people to get to even hear this conversation Mm -hmm. uh, because not only has the Lord moved and worked, I think he's giving you an opportunity and the gift to be able to communicate it. And so I'm thankful uh, that I got to, to just have this conversation because I think it's going to be really helpful uh, for a lot of people. So friend, thank you for your time. And Absolutely. Uh, I, like I said, I look forward to getting to watch all that God is going to do in you and through you in the future. Thanks. I appreciate you having me, Stephanie. Um, and I, I just appreciate the invitation. Thank you for, um, just all the work that you do that's unseen, it matters and it's making such an impact more than, than you, than you'll probably ever know until, you know, we are in the new heavens and the new earth talking about it. Yeah. Well, thank you. (laughs) 
If you would like to continue this conversation, you can contact me at stephaniegatessloan.com. The music was created by my talented friend, Vince Romanelli. Thanks for listening.